Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. When I deployed, I didn't realize that even the air I was breathing was dangerous. Since coming home, I've watched friends get sick and struggle to get the support they deserve. But now, that's finally changing. We're eligible for new VA health care and benefits based on when and where we served. Even though I feel okay, I'm going to apply. For my sake and for my family. Learn more and apply today. Visit va.gov p-a-c-t. Welcome to MLB Daily, your one-stop shop for daily baseball content. I am LJ LaFura. Alongside me, I've got Brandon Karam, and we are a Belly Up Sports podcast. We are what they aren't. Brandon, the season's coming soon. I'm not sure if the Brandon raps are coming back, but how are we doing? LJ, we are doing good. Just got back from wonderful Aruba. First time out of the country, pretty much in my life. So very fun trip. Uh, however, we are back. We have so much to cover as this was one of the wildest weeks really in baseball offseason history. You know, we usually say that the baseball offseason moves slow. Then you throw a 99-day lockout into it. And all of a sudden we have three weeks and multiple major free agents just yet to sign at the start uh, once the lockout ended. But this was quite a crazy week. We're obviously not going to be able to get to every single piece of news, but we are certainly trying our best to hit the most relevant topics on this show. And then starting on Monday, we are switching to three episodes a week. So we will be able to uh, talk more in depth about some of the more uh, other moves. And then, of course, starting on opening day, we move to daily shows. But LJ, let's get right into it. Let's not waste any time. Let's just jump right into it. And I believe we're going to start with probably the one of the weirdest uh, free agents I can remember. And it's not because of him as a player, but just the way that he handled this. And that's Freddie Freeman. Uh, and he ends up signing with the Los Angeles Dodgers, six years, $162 million contract. But LJ, I believe it was like, what, five or six days ago, John Heyman tweeted and was like, a uh, deal's going to be done within, within the next 24 hours. It's between the Dodgers and Rays at this point. And I mean, I don't mind Freddie Freeman waiting so long, but it just, but like, did he really think he had that much leverage by just waiting? Like, was he going to get that much more money? Like LJ, what, what is the thought process for what Freddie Freeman did here? Um, to be honest, I think 
I don't think it was mu that much about leverage, at least as much as you suspect. And with the amount of leverage he has, the thing that he was really chasing was that sixth year. Mm. He, of course, gets uh, six years, 160? 162. Yeah, six years, 162. He's really searching for this sixth year with most of these teams. I think he has enough, he can get enough leverage there to do that possibly from somebody. But more the, often than not, I think it was more a matter of, is he convinced in the decision he's making? Because I really do think the con conflict between staying in Atlanta and going back home was a pretty big factor in all of this. With all that I've seen, when you consider all the factors, no offense to the Yankees. I know they're the free agent destination of the nation or whatever you want to call them, but they don't have that appeal for a guy like Freddie Freeman, who's already been in one of the biggest markets in baseball. He doesn't need to move into a huge market. It's a matter of comfort. And New York certainly isn't a more comfortable option than Atlanta, where he already knows he can win, or LA, which is literally same county as he grew up in. So overall, that was a big thing. And then you have Atlanta make the move for Matt Olson, which we'll get into in a minute. And I really think that screwed up his plans because all of a sudden he's like, okay, I pretty much just got the Dodgers now, right? And then you have teams like Toronto and Boston who come into the mix late and make things a little more confusing. So there was a lot of moving pieces throughout this whole process. I don't think it was just him sitting on his thumbs. Well, LJ, let's talk X's and O's now. Uh, this Los Angeles Dodgers lineup, just off the top of my head here, they have Mookie Betts, Cody Bellinger, Chris Taylor, Max Muncy, Freddie Freeman, Trey Turner, Gavin Lux, AJ Pollock. I mean, is this one of the best? How did I forget a Justin Turner? Will Smith, the second best catcher in the league. Is this one of the best lineups you've seen in your lifetime? Like, because I have trouble finding another team from when I've been alive that has had a lineup this strong at every single spot. Yeah, and you know, they've got and they've got almost too much depth. Again, we're talking um three top 100 prospects for this team. What situation did you ever think you would hear AJ Pollock is the worst hitter in this starting in a starting lineup? That that shouldn't be fair. That that isn't right. And we talk about the depth. Um, I'm not 100% sure on the positions these guys play. I'm not going to look into that now. But either way, you could easily see them moving a guy like Gavin Lux right now. I mean, they're not they're not weak in any area of the game. But if they wanted to go grab on maybe another starter or more likely some extra bullpen help wherever they feel like it would be most suitable, like he's the type of player, he's the type of really prospect at this point that still has a lot of potential, he can get you a really good reliever in this league if you were to move on from him. And I know they're not they're not big on doing that. They want to keep as much of their depth as possible, but that's a real legitimate option for this ridiculously deep team. Ridiculously I just don't even know how you – I just don't even know how you pitch to this lineup because it's not like you can put any of these guys on base just because there's just another superstar behind them. But – 
let's move on. We have a lot to talk about. Let's talk about the guy that basically blocked Freddie Freeman from returning to the Braves, and that's Matt Olson. The Braves trade for him, and they make a pretty big – or they send a pretty big package to get him. Uh, they they, they uh, give up Christian Pache – and I cannot think of the other prospect off the top of my head right now that they had to give up. I'm pulling it up right now. But regardless, the Braves, I love that they were like, you know what? If we're not going to get Freddie Freeman and if he really doesn't want to return, let's trade for a younger. Possibly, some could say that he had a better 2021 than Freddie Freeman. It's just no one realized it out in Oakland, but Matt Olson is a fantastic player. And I really don't think that the Braves are going to be losing that much value now with Olson and in, uh, in, instead of Freddie Freeman. And they have him on an eight year deal for cheaper than what Freddie Freeman signed for. So I mean, I just love this for Atlanta. I just think that they really did a good job. Alex Anthopoulos, we saw what he did at the trade deadline to be able to get that team to win the World Series. After you lose Ozuna, you lose Acuna. And he makes those deals. And now, I mean, I love what the, what the Braves did here, LJ. I don't know about you, but I think that this is just fantastic. Look, Matt Olson's a great player but I'm not nearly as high on this move as you are. At okay. All. Um, overall, let's look at just, again, the numbers. He's very young, but this is clearly his best season. Can I be convinced that we're going to get this level of production, the 2021 production out of Matt Olson for the rest of his prime? No, frankly, I'm not. And so you're dealing with a very... Um, tense situation a delicate situation rather by moving on from the face of your franchise and bringing in another guy that you just paid a boatload that you paid paid more than him yes more in total value than the other guy that you let walk out the door that is a very scary proposition i could see a situation where these atlanta fans if freddie freeman does more freddie freemaning in LA, which I presume he will because of the amount of lineup protection he has there is just insane. And then if Matt Olson struggles just the slightest bit, it is very easy to lose a fan base like that. It's very easy to lose a fan base when you move on from the franchise guy and have to replace him. And if that guy is not able to be replaced, like if he's not a guy who can really replace him fully and get the fans to buy in early, then you've probably lost those fans conceivably for the first half of his contract at the very least. The other point I want to bring up is this. How bad a precedent does it so- does this set with all of these other great players that they have on this roster? You just, and I know a lot of Atlanta fans are trying to find a way to accept it, and a lot of them are blaming Freddie Freeman in this because they look at, oh, well, around this time, Chipper Jones was restructuring his contract so the team could win. He take he took a pay cut to help the team win. And here Freddie Freeman is haggling over a sixth year. First off, with the amount of crap that Freddie Freeman dealt with through his prime from this team because they weren't good and he was willing to stay and not 
ask for trades, not complain, none of that. He deserves all the money and all the years he's getting. The second thing is you are haggling with your franchise guy, your loyal guy over one year. That one year, that extra 20 some odd million is not going to be the difference maker in your contract set structure over the next couple of years that you think it is, that you're blowing it out of proportion to be. And so if I'm Ronald Acuna, yes, you have him through, what is it, 2024? They've got Acuna through 2026 plus a team option, Albies through 2025, and Austin Riley through 2025. Uh, okay, so. either way, 27. That's still, he's in his prime, Acuna's in his prime of his career at that point. And so if I'm Acuna, these guys, these guys that already know that they're going to get a bag, a guy like Acuna who's already gotten a pretty sizable payday early in his career, more sizable than his rookie contract standard would be. So I just see that and I look at Acuna and I think, how is this guy going to handle re-upping with Atlanta six years from now or five years from now when it's time for him to do it? when he knows this team is very well willing to move on from great players if they don't get their sweetheart deal, am I going to give them the same respect that Freddie and Chipper gave them for all these years, now seeing how this management will handle it? I don't think so. And so overall, it just it sets a really bad precedent when you're going to know you're going to have to come into contract negotiation with a guy like Kuni, with a guy like Albies, with a guy like Swanson, who are all guys that conceivably you want to keep this core together for as long as humanly possible. When you treat your superstars like this, that's not what it does. Well, LJ, let's talk about the guy that signed the biggest contract so far of this free agent period uh, post lockout. And that is Chris Bryant. And in one of the most, Shocking moves, I think, in recent offseason history. The Colorado Rockies agreed to a seven-year, $182 million contract that also contains a full no-trade clause. LJ, coming into this offseason, I don't think anybody in the world would have said that the Rockies were going to get any of the top caliber players let alone a guy like Chris Bryant, who is just so versatile. And we saw that with the Cubs, with the Giants last year. And I just, it doesn't make sense to me. And I'm happy for the Rockies because, look, you have a great player here. Chris Bryant's awesome. But you chose to get rid of Nolan Arenado because you were paying a far better player. A far better player, a guy who's going to make the Hall of Fame, no doubt. Not saying Chris Bryant won't, but it's, we, we, we still need to see what's going to happen with that. You choose to not re-sign Arenado, or you choose to sign Arenado and then trade him because you were basically like, well, we are kind of paying him too much. And even though he didn't ask out, we're just going to make him look bad at the end of the day. And 
Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. You didn't even offer an extension to Trevor Story and LJ. I know you're not high on him, but you didn't even like talk to him about an extension. It was just like, LJ, I know you're not very happy about this. What is what is your take here? What what are the Rockies doing? Does this make any sense? And I guess last question, is there a single positive you can take out of it if you're a Rockies fan when you're looking at this ownership group? When you're looking at the ownership group, no, but I'll get back to that in a minute. Um, To touch on the story thing, I'm not a fan of him. Overall, I don't think he's at the caliber of any of those like top four or five shortstops in the league, but the numbers speak for itself. If you're looking to bring in good talent, you should at least re-sign the guy that's already there, the guy that you already have the known quantity in Trevor Story, who you already know is going to fit into your system, going to fit into your culture. That makes 100% sense. My question is this. What last year, what in the 2021 season did any of us see that said that this Colorado Rockies rebuild or reload or whatever it looked like they were trying to do by letting Story go, by letting, moving on from Arenado, all of these guys, what did we see that magically said, okay, this team is ready to compete? If you're not ready to compete, why are you handing out such a massive deal to a guy that's in his prime? Like, the the numbers just don't add up. I did not see enough out of Colorado to say that they could be a legitimate contender in any division, let alone the NL West right now. And so by bringing him in, it's just an absolute mess. One positive I take away from this, you have the king of launch angle at cores now. That's That's basically the only... That's the only positive I can take away from this, and I'm not mad about that. It just makes no sense. Yeah, right after the deal broke, I texted you and I said, Chris Bryant at Coors is scary. LJ, I'm happy for Chris Bryant. He got the money that he's been waiting for. The Cubs screwed him over. Service time, manipulation, you know, all that. I'm happy for Chris Bryant. He got his bag, but I just... If you're a Rockies fan, I just don't know how you feel about this because now you're looking at a core of Chris Bryant, Ryan McMahon, J- John Gray. Like, uh, you know, what's... Well, I mean, I think you over you overdo Charlie Blackman being, like, atrocious at this point. I don't think he's necessarily a terrible player. He's certainly oh, no, not no, he's not star. terrible. Uh, he certainly isn't what he used to be. But again, we're talking about like signing really quality talent. What about Jose Iglesias? Yeah, Jose Iglesias I, I love that. Than, I love that. More than proved that he is worth like he is a top, at least top 20 shortstop in, in the back half of the year that he had. So I kind of feel like both of those moves go hand in hand. Why are you choosing Jose Iglesias over Trevor Story in the first place if you're bringing in legitimate talent? And 
why bring in Jose Iglesias on a pretty good contract if you're not going to be competing also? I'm sorry. I didn't mean John Gray. I meant Herman Marquez. I forgot John Gray signed with the Rangers. But still, no, LJ, you're in Rockies history. Yep. Best pitcher in Rockies history. LJ, though, the Rockies, they also uh, signed Alex Colome for the back of the bullpen. I don't mind that move at all. It's a he's he's solid there. He kind of had a rough year uh, last year with the twins, but. Uh, see, I don't, I don't see much point to them signing any pitcher. Like, you're better yeah. off. Like, I'm serious. Like, Coors is such a issue for pitchers that this team is much better off building a ridiculous offense and investing their money there and just letting these guys go through a Rays-esque approach to the pitchers, rotate them through on a six-year cycle or five-year cycle, move them out for somebody else. That's ideally, I think, the way that you build consistency if you're the Colorado Rockies and you're willing to invest. If you're willing to invest in the free agent market and go out and get bats, that's the way you do it. I just, it, it makes no sense. But we got some stuff out um, in the Midwest to, to uh, deal with now, I believe, correct? We certainly do. And LJ, I've been excited to talk about this one. The Chicago Cubs have signed Seiya Suzuki. Uh, it is a five-year, $85 million contract, which also includes a full no-trade clause. Uh, the posting fee will end up being $14.6 million, which the Cubs pay directly to the, I believe he played for the CARP, uh, the Hiroshima CARP. I think that's what their name is. But... This guy, LJ, is a superstar in the NPB, same league that we saw Otani come from. And he's won five, he's won five gold gloves in right field uh, in that league. And I believe last season he hit in the 330s, 38 bombs, and he's just an electric player. And you know, I I love when these teams go and s- sign these players that get a posted from Japan, from uh, South Korea, because you're getting them. It's such pennies on the dollar for what they could end up doing for you. You look at the contract that Shohei Otani is on right now, mm-hmm. and the Angels are just loving that. How about Ha Seung Kim? One of the best fielders in the league, the hitting still didn't really come around as much as we wanted it to, but he still signed for like four or five more years with the Padres and I think can be a huge contributor in the future. Suzuki, I mean, he's still not even 30, I don't think, and he's already played or he's 27, but already played nine years in Japan. Uh, which is rare to have played that much. But he said that he wants to play at the highest stage if he got the chance. And I love this for the Cubs. Why not sign someone like this? It's going to get the fans interested. And these Japanese players, you can just tell how much they love the game and how much they embrace the fandom of it. And I think the Cubs fans will really, really like this guy. 
my only question is if you're handing out $80 million contracts, if you're talking to Carlos Correa, why didn't you just bring Chris Bryant back? Um, but I'm not going to question. I'm not going to think too hard on that one because honestly, again, maybe those prospects pan out. Let's, let's just hope for their sake, because again, this is another kind of confusing situation where a team teeters between rebuilding and contending, but this is kind of like, I honestly think this hints at more of a soft rebuild for Chicago where they're looking to be good in like a year or two from now, because that fits exactly with these um, Asian hitters, whether it's a Korean or a Japanese hitter, because yeah, these guys fielding wise, they're not going to have an issue. A lot of the elements of their game are going to carry over. The thing that does not adjust very, very rarely adjusts early on is the hitting. And it takes a minute for these guys to get adjusted to the major league bats. I think realistically, we're going to see a much better year from Haseon Kim this year, um, just like we have with a lot of other hitters of this caliber. And so maybe we're not going to see the best out of, say, a Suzuki year one, but year two or three, we're really going to start to see him pick it up in the majors. And at that point, maybe this team thinks that they're going to have enough of the core pieces around the team to be able to go and spend more on a couple free agents that'll make a difference and it'll put them in the division fight for the next several years. So this is a long-term play like any Japanese player for the Cubs. Yeah, I like where the Cubs are at the next few years. They get the Jason Hayward contract off their books finally. Uh, They got Stroman for the next three years who we've seen can pitch at an all-star caliber level for multiple years and I think that you know the Cubs are deep enough in that farm system I think they did a great job at the trade trade deadline you know they said we're going to get rid of that old core we got a championship out of it that's the ultimate goal sure it didn't work out exactly how we wanted it to but I I think the Cubs could be set up in a nice spot you've got guys you know like uh Wilson Contreras is still there and they signed Angelton Simmons, who is a nice stopgap. Let's not forget they traded for Nick Madrigal. So they still have some guys. And I really think that they could be, uh, you know, slowly get back to uh, contending in a few years. Absolutely. Why don't we go a little farther east and again with some more NL action. Kyle Schwarber has finally made the move the best DH on the market goes to the Philadelphia Phillies. Yes. Four years, $79 million. And LJ, is it fair to say that now post lockout, we we knew we were going to have the universal DH that he was one of the most sought after free agents in this market. Absolutely. And for good reason, because Look, this is a guy that plays much older than he is. We forget this guy's going into his age 29 season this year. He's well within like well within range for his prime. So I'm not convinced that last year where with the Red Sox and with the Nationals, he slashed 266, 374, 554 with 32 home runs. I'm not convinced that that's slowing down. Like I can see really, really good hitting performances out of this guy for the next couple of years. You add that in with both being 
a great, great fit for DH, but also being one of the more flexible full-time DHs out there. Like you don't have the same issue of like, oh, if we go to the National League, where are we going to play him? You're not throwing David Ortiz at first and praying nothing bad happens for a series. This is a guy who can play left, can play first. I think his catching days are behind him, but like if you really needed it, like if you're out emergency, of, yeah. <laughs> if you're out of options, he can catch for you. That's a lot of versatility, even if it's not great defense, that you have out of your designated hitter. That's what makes him so valuable. He's going to be a great fit in this uh, Phillies offense. And in my mind, other than Gene Segura, they don't have that co- necessarily a great contact guy yet. Gene Segura is not a contact guy anymore. Yes, he got a couple of 200 hit seasons. This is a spot Taylor made for Kyle Schwarber to get back in the leadoff role. Oh, yeah. And Schwarber one, Harper two is just, is just nasty. Oh, you see, I would go Schwarber one. I would still go Segura up there. I go Schwarber okay. one, Segura two, and then let Harper have, because between those two guys, you have a really good shot at either having a run on the board or men on base with Bryce Harper up to bat. Yeah. That's what, that's what you need with a guy like Harper. Maximize those R- RBI opportunities. And so you've got, yeah, Schwarber, Segura, Harper, Real Muto is a great first four. It certainly is. Let's not forget about Reese Hoskins, who did have an OPS uh, close to 900 last season, 27 bombs. And I still don't think we've seen uh, his full potential. I like what the Phillies are doing. Of course, they've got a nice pitching staff, Wheeler, Nola, Kyle Gibson that they got in that trade uh, with the Rangers. And they finally fixed their bullpen this offseason. They brought in a guy that you've been high on in the past, LJ, Corey Knable from the Dodgers. They signed Yuri's Familia from the Mets and also Brad Hand, who Brad Hand had a rough 2021, but relievers, they'll have one, they'll have a bad season, but it's just so volatile that I really don't think that there's a way or – there is a way, but it's not impossible for Brad Hand to come out and show us, you know, what he used to do, at least to some extent. I think that it was just a rough season last year for, for everybody. Uh, and I really like Philadelphia here. This is a great signing and just so much flexibility. You've got a great mix of lefties and righties in that lineup now. And uh Hopefully they can get it together and uh, potentially make a playoff push this year. And isn't this the Dave Dombrowski MO? Yes. Like this is, this is the hyper aggressive. Hi, I'm Maria. And I'm Mike. And we're team ready. ready. Black Hills energy knows your home is where your heart is. So they want you to be ready. It's all about keeping you safe, prepared and making your home as energy efficient as possible. Everything from how to weatherize your home to how to stay safe during extreme weather. Be ready for anything. Go to blackhillsenergy.com slash team ready. Offseason that the Phillies were dreaming of, that they were thinking they might get at the very end of the offseason last year. That was unrealistic. But you look at this team now and you're really seeing it. You're seeing where they went out and they made sure they got – a bunch of their top targets. It didn't matter to them necessarily 
if they overpaid, if they were looking for the right deal, they're more than willing. Um, there was a Heim Bloom quote the other day. Let me see if I can pull it up. Uh, what are the, what are the opportunities that make sense for us? Not to start chasing things. If you chase things, you can turn good opportunities into bad opportunities and put yourself in a position not to be able to take the next good opportunity. That's a really good long-term plan for a lot of franchises. Overall, you're going to see a lot of long-term success in that mindset. That's not, that's not the Dave Dombrowski method. The Dave Dombrowski method is we are going to push and we are going to make sure we get every single good opportunity, even if it becomes a bad opportunity, because that gives us our best shot at winning right here, right now. That's what they've gotten here. Don't forget that, honestly, before seven o'clock last night, I would have told you it was probably 50-50 between the Rockies and the Phillies for Chris Bryant. There's a chance that they do all that and add Chris Bryant in there too. And what I like, and I'll say this real quick because we have to keep going, but the fact that the Phillies, like at first they were a little bit in on one of the shortstops and, you know, we heard that they could have been a potential suitor for Carlos Correa, but you're right. The fact that they find guys, they're like, okay, what do we need this off season? We need another bat in the lineup. Definitely. Let's go get the best DH on the market. We need help in the bullpen. Let's go get a guy who was undershadowed on the Dodgers last year in, in, in a Corey Knable, but still had a great year, even though he didn't pitch that much. Let's go get him. Let's get Yuri's Familia. Let's get Brad Hand. Let's sign guys that fit what we need. We don't need to be chasing the best players necessarily. Let's just get what we need to compete. And that's what Dave Dombrowski did, like you said. And I, I love it. I think that they're in a good spot also. And let's not forget, they have two top 35 prospects still that should be up either in 2023 or 2024. So uh, another team, Phillies and Cubs, I think are both winners in, in my book over the last few days. Well, LJ, the hunt for Reds October. LJ, it looks like they're heading into a bit of a rebuild because they have traded. They have traded Jesse Winker. I can't even believe this, LJ. Um, Jesse Winker will be heading to the Seattle Mariners. And it's not just Jesse Winker. It is not just Jesse Winker. Eugenia Suarez. Eugenio Suarez also heading to the Mariners. And I mean, let's go Seattle. I mean, great for Seattle, but clearly the Reds just, I mean, what's, what's, what's the thought process here for, for the Reds, LJ? The thought process is, I don't think that they think that they can figure out this pitching like with this group and then also within their own budgetary constraints. I mean, you know, it, it is a business. You have a budget. You can't just spend infinite amounts of money. Reasonably, they probably looked at this and said, okay, we can either get Castellanos back and probably do not do nothing else. And we're not going to be close to competing then because we are barely close to competing this year. 
or we cannot get him. We can try to fix things here, and then we're still not going to be nearly a good enough lineup without our best hitter to figure that stuff out. So overall, it just makes more sense at this point, I think, to go out and get prospects, cut payroll. I mean, there was a point in time where people thought that Ken Griffey Jr. might be one of the highest paid players on this team next year because that's how many how much salary they shed. He's their fifth highest paid player, by the way. Now their fifth highest paid players currently. Yes. Um, again, like a little ridiculous, a little excessive at this point, but it, it makes sense, especially when you consider the other teams in that division, all with these really good situations that they're in. Cardinals are going to continue to be really good. Milwaukee should still be really good. Uh, the Cubs, we now see a path for them to turning it around. The Pirates are always going to be irrelevant, but. You've got three teams there that I think probably have brighter futures than the Reds right now. So it makes way more sense to move on while you have a chance. And for Seattle, now we're, we're talking real potential to make the playoffs here. Uh, let's not well, forget. Well, they already had real potential to make the playoffs. I mean, real, real potential now. Real, real. Uh, <laughs> they've got. Adam Fraser, let's not forget, they they traded for this offseason prior to the lockout and one of the moves that pretty much everybody forgot about. Still, Mitch Hanniger is there. Now you have Winker. You have Jared Kelenic, who is one of the best prospects in the league still. The kid's still young. He's not even 23. It's lay off him. He had a rough first season. You want to know who else had a rough first season? A lot of guys. And you look at the pitching. They, they get Robbie Ray. They've got Logan Gilbert, who I think is going to be fantastic. Marco Gonzalez is still there. And just another team that clearly, LJ, a few years ago, they saw that they had a path to be able to contend. And they took advantage of every opportunity that they could get. They said, oh, we're going to tr- trade for uh, Jesse Winker. Cool. It's an all-star right there. We can plop right in the outfield next to Mitch Hanniger. Let's not forget, it too, Kyle Lewis, the guy who won the 2020 Rookie of the Year, is still there. Got that knee surgery, I think, back in, like, June. But I, once again, Seattle, I, I think that the AL West right now is just a three horse race uh and sorry angels but it's the astros the mariners and the rangers to me right now and i'm sorry angels but you gotta figure it out at some point please get some pitching please and are we 100 convinced at this point that the rangers are in it no i'm I'm not i would love to see them there i mean realistically they've added we can't forget they've added three all-stars now which we'll get to in a few minutes the last one but between Simeon or all-star caliber players between Simeon Seeger and Garver those are great adds to that offense I'm just not sure they're add 30 wins type of additions to this team but we'll have to see and you also forgot if you look to the bullpen yeah let's look through this this is a lot of guys with sub threes last year and 
we're talking about year two of the Ken Giles contract too. You can't forget where they bring him in already knowing he's injured to get that cheap. Not about that. Yeah. Great guy. So those are really good. Those are really good moves for this team to be able to really, really compete this year. I'm really high on this group. Um, Overall, I've been saying it. It's been the year I thought, I thought Chris Bryant would end up here. But overall, you get Eugenio Suarez, another another situation of a guy waiting probably too long for his best opportunity. With Chris Bryant and the Mariners, they're able to get Eugenio Suarez or Eugenio Suarez, and they do it. It's um, No, this is a really good situation for them. Well, heading back out west, the San Francisco Giants have added Carlos Rodon to their rotation which already consisted of a great pitcher in logan webb alex wood they also signed alex cobb prior to the lockout and rodon was a guy that i really wanted the yankees to go after and the contract he signed i was you know i i like what what he did here two years 44 mil he can opt out after the first year kind of betting on himself in a way, but also you look at what he's done through his entire career and for him to have gotten $21 million per year or 22 mil per year is nuts. If you were to just look at his stats pre 2021 and we saw something out of him in 2021, just a completely new pitcher just looked so good and all-star I think top five in Cy Young voting. I love this for the giants. You do a short deal like this. Guess what? If it doesn't work out, that money is not hanging over your head for so long. And if it does work out, then you have a guy for the next two years in what is still a championship window for you. You know, I just, I think it's great for, San Francisco, because you lose Kevin Gosman. Also, you need someone to step in there and replace that kind of role. And I think that Rodon does that perfectly here. I feel very comfortable with the fact that this is a clear upgrade on Kevin Gosman, who was a scion contender for the majority of the year. Realistically, both of them don't have a sample size of being great pitchers, yet are being assumed to be great pitchers people are acting like in this free agent market that they're going to continue to put up similar stuff to what they did in 2021. Overall, I think Carlos Rodon has a little bit more of that for me. And he just fits into what this lineup needs so well. A lot of his late on issues were a matter of health, them wanting him to go too deep in games in Chicago. So I think this is a situation where he's not going to have to do as much. He's not going to have to carry the same type of burden that he did with that team. And that's going to really allow him to shine going forward. Well, I think we will wrap things up. Of course, we got to talk about the Yankees, LJ. You didn't think we were going to go a single show without talking about the Yankees, did you now? Honestly, with this one, I was hoping we we uh, <laughs> would go, wouldn't go a, uh, show without the Yankees because 
this is just one of the more interesting sets of trades that we've seen in a while. Yeah. Uh, so let's get right into it. Uh, the Yankees trade away Gary Sanchez and Gio Rochella. And in return, they get Josh Donaldson, Isaiah Kiner Falefa, and Ben Rortvet from the Minnesota Twins. Uh, a few things here. Uh, first of all, I'm not going to say I'm mad because Josh Donaldson is an awesome hitter, and we've seen what he does year after year. And Isaiah Kiner Falefa is a high batting average, low OPS kind of guy, which is what the Yankees needed. They needed guys to who can move the runners over. They didn't necessarily need another power hitter. So I like that. Ben Rortvet, from what I've seen, his framing stats, pretty significantly better than Let's Gary Sanchez. <laughs> However, just finding out that because we made that trade, we pretty much were out of the sweepstakes for any other free agent that we were rumored to get, that sucked. But, LJ, I seriously think that the team is better than they were in 2021 just because there's a little more flexibility now. Kiner Falefa is a gold glover, which is what we needed. You can finally put a Glaber Torres at second base, which is where he needs to be. We know what Josh Donaldson can do at third base. And now with the two catchers of Rortvet and Higashioka, I don't mind that at all. Sure, you're going to lose some of the hitting output that you were going to get from from Gary Sanchez and I wish him the best because he was one of my favorite players to watch I just thought that uh he was so underrated as a hitter uh because of his uh, defensive liabilities but overall I I don't mind the moves however Brian Cashman heading into the offseason said we need to get younger we need to get more athletic and then we proceeded to throw 50 million at Josh Donaldson to pay the rest of his contract. I'm not sure that a 36 year old Josh Donaldson is getting younger and more athletic, but I mean, I'll take it. I mean, you know, you see the people on Twitter, the Yankees fans that are like, Oh, Josh Donaldson struck out 150 times last season. And all they look at is batting average and strikeouts. And regardless, I still think that we're in a better spot especially now that we got Anthony Rizzo back. Uh, defensively, we should be much more sound in the infield, which was something that was a huge issue for us last year. Yeah, look, I mean, I think it's the, the beauty of this trade, particularly the part between Minnesota and New York. It's interesting because it's so open to interpretation. I can't take away Isaiah kind of flavors gold glove. I would never want to, but I don't think he is tra a transcendent shortstop in terms no. of defense, defensive numbers. I think overall, if I were looking at, if you were to put him up against geo geo is miles ahead of him in terms of defensive capability and defensive talent, just because he is one of the best defensive third baseman in the league. I mean, he's definitely top five in terms of that. 
situation. I couldn't see me putting Kiner Falefa in that type of category at shortstop. But overall, I just think this, this again, this fits everybody because what you're giving up on Geos, you're gaining by not having Gary in that lineup, but you're also not losing Gary's offensive output by bringing in Josh Donaldson. I also don't think you're losing anything on Gio Urshela. Overall, this was there were two above average hitting seasons from him in his career. He got cut, got cut from Toronto for again just offensively not being there. The numbers weren't there. Overall, I don't see those returning. He's going to still he's going to be a starter for a long time, but I don't see him being necessarily the 130 OPS plus guy that the Yankees got for the majority of his tenure in New York. So you're not you're not losing anything on on offense with this trade. You're not really losing much on, or you're not really losing anything on defense either. This is just a very fair, well-rounded trade that if anything gives you more consistency. That's my one complaint about Gary Sanchez as a hitter is it is very streaky. And tell me about it, LJ. Tell me about it. I struggle to see how that wins games most of the time. Like I get yeah, you can get hot and you're going to add to it, but you've got other players out there too. It's not like you're going to – him having these ridiculous stretches is the only reason that they're winning, but he's a contributing factor to them, significant contributing factor to them losing when he's cold. And so overall, you're getting more consistent hitters back in this trade for them too. But the other great part about this whole deal that needs to be talked about, overall, what Minnesota did here. Oh, yeah. You gave up, um, whether you knew about this trade or not beforehand, you give up Mitch Garver to go out and get a really good defender in Isaiah Kiner-Falefa, and then all of a sudden you're able to make that work to both get Josh Donaldson off your books so you can go after other really good free agents and pursue other trades. You come back with a really good offensive catcher who it sounds like they want to use a lot at DH next year is what I had heard, especially now, you know, I have Nelson Cruz in Minnesota. So they've had an opening there for somebody. He'll fill that role a lot. Realistically, you you fl- you flipped Mitch Garver for Gio and – you right, yeah, Donaldson too. But Garver and Donaldson for Gio and uh, Gary, that's a very good trade for this team especially when you think of the financials that they gain. Absolutely. And the twins have five top 100 prospects who, according to fan graphs, are all set to debut in 2022, including former number one overall pick Royce Lewis, who is a shortstop, uh, which would fit in perfectly. You throw Rochelle at third, you just lost Angelton Simmons. You're still in need of a shortstop in a way. Sure, you have Jorge Polanco there, but having infield depth has never hurt anybody. And I think the Twins really did great, great business here. Uh, it's also worth noting, uh, according to Fangraph's projections, the Yankees are projected to have the most war as of right now out of any team. I don't know how I feel about that, but I saw someone and they took. Basically, if Carlos Correa was to get like a $360 million contract for 10 years, 
they took that 36 million and then you throw in Anthony Rizzo plus Donaldson, Kiner Falefa. They pretty much produced the, the same war for the same amount of money between the two, between those, pl- those players. Very rough calculation, of course, but if there ever was a workaround to not signing one of the big free agents, I think it is what the Yankees did, and that is re-signing Rizzo and then making this trade. So I can't say I'm mad. A little, you know, obviously I would have wanted Freddie Freeman or Carlos Correa, but also there's 30 teams in the league and 29 of them are going to be unhappy when someone signs somewhere. So I can't be that mad at the end of the day. No, you shouldn't be mad. You can definitely, but you can definitely be disappointed by this trade. Yeah, that was the you mentioned it earlier. That was the initial reaction to all of this was disappointment for the majority of Yankee fans because that clearly signaled we're not getting Correa, and that was the big target for the off season. And so the Yankees again putting the critical lens on it. The Yankees once again find a way to not make the big move that they were supposed to and instead find a way to make a move that isn't going to get the job done necessarily, but looks fine. I think overall they're probably better off with Correa on this team than kind of Falefa and Donaldson, but at the end of the day, it's close enough and fans aren't going to overly complain. It's not like they got nothing. It's not like they went out and did nothing. They could have done nothing. They should have gotten Correa, and now they're here. So it's they can. Brian Cashman consistently finds this middle ground, where the fan base and ownership isn't going to be pissed, but they all he also doesn't get what this get the full picture. Yeah, like real quick, I'll say this, and then we'll wrap it up with something fun. But the thing with Cashman is like. Every few years, he'll make a move that is just brilliant. And you're like, wow, like this guy's a really good GM. And then you have off seasons like a few years ago where we should have gotten Bryce Harper. And there's really no excuse for why we didn't go after him more than than we did. And instead, we just kind of sat around and we're just like, no, like we, we, we don't really need Bryce Harper or Manny Machado or one of those guys. And then you have this offseason where it's like, all right, we need Carlos Correa or a Freddie Freeman or a Matt Olson, somebody. And Cashman's like, well, instead of that, like, what if I just, you know, make this kind of sneaky trade for, I don't know, a guy you would never even think of. How about Josh Donaldson? Like, why not? (laughs) And that's the thing with him is he just he finds these ways, like you said, in to make the fans simultaneously half the fan base mad half the fan base happy and then half the fan base not sure how to feel well that's three half sorry a third i should have said a third (laughs) a third of the fan base happy a third of the fan base mad and a third of the fan base not sure how to feel uh yeah that's 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 pretty much the brian cashman mo well what i'd like to honestly i think a great comp to this would be the I'm pretty sure it's the 2018. No, the, yeah, the sun, the winter after 2018, where everyone was like, guys, I'm not sure if you know this or not, but the Yankees really need an ace starter. They need a legit pitcher. And so 
all of a sudden you have guys like um, what's his face in Washington? You know that class I'm talking about. Corbin. Um, yes, thank you, Patrick Corbin. Like there were really good starters, like the exact guys that this team was looking for out there if they were willing to go after them. What do they do instead? They decide to bring in James Paxton. Like, that, that is that not the exact same situation? No, it is. It, it really is. And it's always a guy that you're not expecting. Like, if you would have shown me a lineup card for the Yankees for opening day, and I see Isaiah Kiner-Falefa and Josh Donaldson, I, I, I just would have been like, okay, like, show me the actual lineup card. Like, you guys, like, they're, why would they be on the Yankees? But, no, that's, that's a great comparison. And, uh, yeah, I, you know, I'm – I don't, I, I hate going on Twitter now because it's just everyone complaining. I want to play games. I want to actually see people put their, put their words, you know, in, into something that is actually happening. Cause now there's so much just speculation and we, we have to wait for the games to start before and you can make any real opinions about teams. But I believe to wrap up the show, LJ, two minutes real quick, we have something fun we want to do. Two minute drill. Yes, we're going to start the daily, or well, right now it's not daily, but semi daily hypothetical. We're going to do a hypothetical question. Could be baseball related, could be sports related, could not. Brandon, I'm going to let you have the floor first. We've got a minute 45 left. Who would win this race? You have to eat one hot dog and run 100 meters. Does Joey Chestnut win? Or does Usain Bolt win? LJ, it's Joey Chestnut, and I'm going to tell you why. You look at the gap between Joey Chestnut and the second fastest hot dog eater, and then the gap between Usain Bolt and the second fastest 100-meter dash runner, and the gap is significantly, significantly more for Joey Chestnut. I just don't see Usain Bolt being able to finish a hot dog in under 30 seconds. I don't. Sure, he, he could run a 100-meter dash in nine-point-whatever seconds, but Joey Chestnut's going to get there in 15, and he's going to eat his hot dog in six. So it's Joey Chestnut. Well, I'm going to challenge, again, this is all very rough numbers we're working with, but I want to challenge you on a couple of things. First off, Papa Elge was the one who brought this up. We're talking about right if we're talking about right now, not in their primes. Usain Bolt's not running a nine second 100 meter anymore. No, it might be closer to 11. The other thing is, if we're saying that the average human runs 100 meters in 15 to 20 seconds, and I'm pretty sure that you're going to get Joey Chestnut on one hot dog, his first hot dog will be five or sub five. So you're talking about probably 20 seconds here. Assuming that he gets half that time back, even assuming operating under the assumption that he does get a nine second, that gives him 11 seconds to eat one hot dog. Usain Bolt gets 11 seconds to eat that hot dog. And the, I believe last year, the closest competitor to him in the Coney Island hot dog eating contest was 12 seconds per hot dog. So the second best person in the world couldn't beat that pace. It's Joey by a mile, one of the most dominant athletes in the world today. The most dominant athlete of all time. And yeah, it's a great way to end the first hypothetical. Great way to cap off our free agent show. 
LJ, hopefully on Monday, we will have big news to talk about regarding Carlos Correa and Trevor's story. But until then, it's March Madness Thursday. Sit back, St. Patrick's Day. Go and watch basketball all day and all night between now and Sunday. Go have a good time. Forget about baseball until April 7th. Spring training does start today, though. But forget about baseball. It's March Madness season. This is March. See ya. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hi, I'm Maria. And I'm Mike. And we're Team Team Ready. Black Hills Energy knows your home is where your heart is, so they want you to be ready. It's all about keeping you safe, prepared, and making your home as energy efficient as possible. Everything from how to weatherize your home to how to stay safe during extreme weather. Be ready for anything. Go to blackhillsenergy.com slash team ready.